Hey everyone, welcome to Read Optional, the Seattle Times football podcast. I'm Adam Jude. Check us out every day in the Seattle Times on your front porch in the newsstand or at seattletimes.com. See our subscription options at seattletimes.com slash subscribe. Well, here we are, uh, Friday morning, uh, just two days away from Seahawks at Green Bay. Divisional round playoff game. Got Russell Wilson uh, versus Aaron Rodgers, uh, Seahawks, Packers. Uh, you know the history. Uh, thinking back to the um, NFC Championship game five years ago here in Seattle. Thinking back to Matt Hasselbeck and the We Want the Ball, We're Going to Score game. Uh, so much fun history. Mike Holmgren uh, between these two franchises. and Seahawks looking for their first victory in Green Bay since 1999. Uh, tough place to play, you know that. Uh, and we'll discuss all that and more in this matchup with Bob Kendota in uh, just a moment here. And we'll get to uh, Mike Varell uh, talking about the Huskies' new offensive coordinator, too. Who is this guy? Uh, we'll try to find out a little bit. Surprise announcement here on Friday morning from Jimmy Lake in his first uh, major move as the Huskies head coach. So uh, we'll get to both of those. Uh, first, let's start off with Bob Kendota previewing uh, this big NFC divisional matchup between the Seahawks and Green Bay here. All right, here he is, your Seahawks beat writer, the lovable, the huggable, Bobby Coe. Bob, how are you? Good, good, Adam. How you doing? <laughs> good, good. Just preparing for that early Saturday morning fight we got together, a three-hour drive uh, from Chicago to Green Bay. It's going to be a lot of kumbaya, Bob. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. Some great bonding time for the Seattle, Seattle Times. I'm just keeping the whole way. You're driving <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. I uh, I brought uh, some uh, show tunes. I brought some card games. We, you know, we're going to be singing. We're going to be all the all the fun stuff I do with the kids in the car. And you guys will be my kids. And, and um, what we're um, going to uh, have to do is listen to the uh, 49ers and Vikings. That's going to be oh. when we're driving. So well, there we go. So, there we go. Yeah, we'll have something to do. Yeah, so we're going to have to fire up their phone so we can watch it. <laughs> Perfect. We'll make it work. Obviously, never an easy way to get into Green Bay. So uh, hopefully we can we can avoid the worst of the of the snow. But, um, yeah, it sounds like a big game Sunday night there. And I'm um, expecting, you know, a uh, crazy atmosphere. My first time at, at Lambeau, and, and uh, you've been there. But, um, hey, I'm looking forward to this one, Bobby. You know, you, sometimes these games – you know, in the regular season, they can kind of wear on you. But uh, here at the end of a long season, uh, obviously, I think uh, a surprise to a lot of people that, that the Seahawks are here, but but here they are, and, and I think they've got a great, great chance to pull this one out. Obviously, the Packers coming off the bye, but um, couldn't ask for a better matchup and two headliners and, and Russell Wilson and, and Aaron Rodgers. And um, as we know, Bob, Russell Wilson, you know, hasn't won at Lambeau Field. It's the only place in the NFL, the only visiting venue uh, he hasn't won at uh, where he's been multiple times, and, and it's going to be cold, it's going to be hostile, and it's going to be crazy Sunday night. Um, what are you expecting from, from Russell uh, in this matchup, Bob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's funny you say that about Lambeau. This will be my fifth trip in my seven years covering the team to wow. Lambeau Field. So, um, and one of those was a preseason game. But, yeah, they've been there a lot. So, um, yeah, you're right. I went through that yesterday. I think there's 
no, I should have had that. It's 11 or 12 places Russell has not won at. And, uh, yeah, other than Lambeau, everywhere has been a place he's only been once, like Kansas City and San Diego. Well, San Diego, he'll never go there again, but San Diego and um, a couple of places like that. So, yeah, I, you know, I broke him down a little bit. It's, it's interesting. Um, obviously, that's, I'm sure that stat, those stats will get a lot of play on TV. The five interception game, I think, for people who remember that game, there was a lot going on, and, and it wasn't just as simple as Russell played really bad and threw five picks and they lost. You know, KJ Wright, we were talking to him yesterday, and he was like, that was just, the, you know, a complete system failure all the way around. Everybody was terrible, and um, it was the week after Earl Thomas got hurt. I think there was some shock on defense about that. The Packers took an early 21-3 to lead. Russell was just sort of – Swinging it around, there was the play. I totally forgot about it, but there was a play. He throws it to Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham just slips and falls, and the ball basically goes right in the hands of hands of uh, a Green Bay receiver, Doug Baldwin. For about the only time I can ever remember, just let a ball go right off his hands. That that then uh, went right to a Green Bay defender as well. So, um, but for sure, it's been a tough place to play. Uh, Green Bay's been really good, and you know the Seahawks include a stat every every single week about um, how good, how hard it is to play at Century League Field, and the only team that's above them in, uh, in having a better home field winning percentage than Century League Field opened in 2002 is Green Bay and Lambeau Field. Um, you know, so it's a tough place for everybody to go. Uh, the elements obviously could make it a little bit tricky. Uh, the Seahawks have really been downplaying that, which I would expect. That, you know, Pete Carroll, um, the day Pete Carroll makes a big deal out of an external factor he can't control will be the first. You know, Pete's just sort of like, <laughs> you do the obvious stuff to prepare for it, like tell guys, hey, be warm or whatever, but, you know, you don't, you know, I think sometimes people think, you know, they're supposed to like just all day long, like be watching Frosty the Snowman or something to prepare for this. But, you know, Pete's like, you just sort of do your normal preparation. You do the obvious stuff to to prepare for it. But, it's the, you know, you don't you don't talk about it, uh, you know, all day long because, you know, what are you going to do about it? So, um, but, you know, it'll be an, an obvious factor. It'll be 540 local time when the game kicks off. So it'll be cold. It'll be dark. Um, it'll be a night game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Aaron Rodgers this season, I mean, on the surface, it seems like he's had a typically, you know, really good career. Uh, but at age 36, um, you know, if you kind of dig into the numbers a little bit, um, you know, he's, he's I think, third lowest uh, passer rating of his career, 95.4. It's basically right in the middle of the road in the NFL this season uh, for passer rating. Um, and I think you had a good stat um, uh, over his last ten, eight games of the season, eight games of the regular season, uh, ten touchdown passes and just a, a pass rating of 84. So um, he's been, and certainly by his standards, he's been pretty pretty mediocre for the most part this season. But, um, you, you know, in this game, in the playoffs, at this stage in the season, um, you know, I keep coming, kind of coming back to it really only takes maybe one good drive at the right time there in the fourth quarter and, uh, both these quarterbacks certainly have plenty of those on their resume too, which is part of the reason why this is, this is such a tip, tough one to predict, right? Obviously, the Packers have the advantage coming up to buy, playing at home, and having the veteran quarterback, the much improved defense. But um, I, I just think the way the Seahawks have played on the road this year, the way this um, this whole season has kind of played out for this for the Seahawks team with you know, kind of defying the odds and and just how funky it's been their their success in these one score games being virtually, you know, unprecedented. Um, I feel like obviously the, the Seahawks should be right there at the very end. Is if Russell has the ball and and uh, you know needs to score late, uh, it just feels like uh, the Seahawks Seahawks obviously have all the confidence that they're going to get it done. Yeah, I, you know, it, it is interesting uh, with the Packers this year though. Is that this is um, 
as balanced a team as they've had probably since that team that got to the NFC title game against the Seahawks. I remember watching their, their opening game against Chicago and Rogers didn't play that great, but they won because the, the defense really held down the bears. Maybe that grew less meaningful as the year went on, given the year the bears had, but at the time it seemed like a big deal. But I remember how happy uh, Rogers seemed in the post game interviews. You know, he just kept talking about, we've got a defense, we've got a defense. And you know, the, the additions they made there, the, the Smith brothers are not actually brothers, but, um, but the, the, the Smiths who, um, you know, this kind of terrors off the edge uh, and the fact that their running game that, you know, with Matt LaFleur coming in, he's kind of got that uh, Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco 49ers way of running the ball that they do. Rogers is under center a lot more. Um, and so with Aaron Jones and, and all the touchdowns he's been scoring this year, that they've just become a little bit more of a balanced team that way. And uh, so they don't, they're not depending solely on, on Aaron Rodgers to win these games, but, but you're right. You're not going to, you know, win, win too many games in the playoffs without your quarterback playing. Well, the one thing Aaron Rodgers still does is he doesn't make bad plays. You know, he's still, I think he led the NFL in, in uh, lowest career, uh, lowest interception rate this year. He's, he's the all time NFL leader in, in, in lowest interception rate. Russell, I think is third. So he got two quarterbacks here who are good at not screwing it up which in this day and age in the NFL, I think is as big a deal as anything. How many Seahawks games did we see this year where it just felt like Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield was making a bunch of plays that, that screwed it up for his team while Russell wasn't and, and the Seahawks ended up winning. And, uh, but this is a game where you got two quarterbacks who are pretty good at not doing that and pretty good at generally not trying to force things that aren't there. So, um, you know, I think that's been part of the other deal with Rodgers. I don't know that this is the greatest receiving core he's had um, in his in his career there. So, you know, I think that's probably impacted his numbers and affected how they've played a little bit as well. But, you know, it will be interesting. I, I, I The Packers being 13-3, and three, and you can look at a lot of their numbers and they don't look that great. I was looking at their third down numbers. Like, they're not very good at all on third down, um, given, you know, given a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I guess you would think they would be. But they have just sort of found a way to win a lot of games. And, uh you know, and the, and the defense has helped carry them through a lot of these. And, and, and uh, that, you know, it will be interesting from that standpoint if Seattle can, you know, hold up to that. I, that, to me, that's the most curious uh, matchup of this whole thing is Seattle's offensive line, which is pretty banged up, going against, uh, going against the, you know, a Green Bay team that's been able to get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks this year. We're, we're talking here on Friday morning before you head out to, uh, to uh, VMAC there and before we get the, the, kind of the final injury report. But what's your sense on, on Dwayne Brown? Is there a chance he, he plays Sunday night? I, I, yeah, I do think so, even if he hasn't hmm. practiced and all that, just because it's the playoffs. You know, if this is right. your season, you wouldn't be doing this. But, you know, they, they had the surgery when they did, hoping maybe I seemed like all along three weeks to me seemed like the most, you know, I think it'd be, I think Sunday night would be 20 days from when he has yeah, the um, you know, that will be, that would really be pushing it for any kind of a surgery, but you know, if, if the left tackle is sort of a spot, maybe you could do that if you can just get by on, on kind of guile and strength and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, the Mike Caillou potty situation, interesting as well. And then George Fant suddenly had a new injury this week that was holding him out. He's been dealing with both a back and a knee thing all year long. And, and now he was listed this week with the groin, which, um, a lot of, a lot of groin issues for this team. So I don't know if it's similar to, the things things other guys have had or not, but you know, it was very interesting. They made the move to call up Chad Wheeler off the practice squad, a guy that Seattle fans I'm sure don't know who he is, but he has 19 career starts uh, in the last two yeah. seasons with the New York Giants, um, and, and where Mike Solari was his position coach for one year there, so he sort of knows the system, and um, he's played uh, so he's played 19 games in the NFL at tackle, so 
that is sort of an option there, which I which I took, uh, you know, sort of uh, the heads against Fant and Brown and, and whether they would need to do something there. He he played, I think, 45 games at left tackle with USC, played primarily right tackle with the Giants. But, um, you know, obviously could probably – I'm sure they've been working about it um, at left tackle in case they're going to need him here. Uh, your player to watch for this game is, is DK Metcalf. No surprise there coming off, uh, you know, NFL rookie record with 160 receiving yards in, in the win over the Eagles. Um, obviously, it was just uh, tremendous in that game. Um, really intriguing potential matchup, obviously, against Kevin King, the, the ex-Husky, uh, in terms of size and, and speed. It's, it's a really uh, – it looks like an even matchup in a lot of ways. King's having kind of a breakout year for himself after battling injuries the last couple years. Um, but he's also kind of a risk taker, too. And, and the Green Bay, that defense, that secondary has been susceptible to some big plays this year, too. Um, do you like that matchup for, for DK in particular? It's a really interesting one, that's for sure. I, it is kind of fun, Kevin King. I know you got to know him well. I think I've talked to him once or twice. Seems like a really nice guy and all that. Um, and, uh, I, you know, so Husky fans will certainly be, be, be watching that one. Anybody who follows local football will be watching that one. It was interesting, Kevin King, it sounded like uh, kind of went the other way from what he usually does and, and didn't want to talk about it much this week. And um, I thought Surprised me. Surprised me, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I talked to a guy who talked to him and, and said that uh, I guess he was asked if he thought about whether he might have to uh, to play DK Metcalf this week, and, and he said something to the effect of, yeah, I have. I've thought about it. <laughs> that was about it. And uh, uh, so it will be interesting that way. It'll be, you know, it will be interesting to see if, if Metcalf – but this is obviously what the Seahawks wanted, right, is two receivers, so you got to pick your poison, and you can't maybe double one, or if you do double one, then the other guy's got single coverage, and they love Tyler Lockett and single coverage, so if you send another guy or, or you know, try to try to have the safety heads over um, in sort of a zone cover, you know, in sort of a bracket covers or something on DK, you know, you're, maybe you're leaving Tyler Lockett um, a more favorable matchup, so that certainly uh, was the whole intent in drafting DK Metcalf and, you know, two other receivers this year in the draft. Uh, to, to try to give Lockett some help, knowing they weren't going to have Doug Baldwin this year and all that. So, um, you know, we, we saw that really work out well last week where you have, uh, you know, you saw all that DK Metcalf can do. Lockett made a, made a player or two. David Moore made, made a player or two. The Seahawks really had to go to the passing game. Um, you know, for everybody who rips the Seahawks for not for never adjusting and all that, I you really did see them adjust last week. At, you know, the first quarter they couldn't run it. So the second and third quarters – um, you know, all they did was all they did was pass it. I think something like um, 26 of 33 passes in, in one stretch, um, or called pass plays anyway, in one stretch of that game. And you know, before sort of going back to the run late to try to run the clock out. So, um, you know, they might have to do that this week. But I, I my hunch is they're going to think they've got a better chance to run on Green Bay, sort of given the stats and and all that kind of stuff. And you heard Pete Carroll say early in the week, Marshawn's going to play more. Um, not that he's giving away the game plan, but I do think he was kind of prepping every, you know, maybe just trying to set the stage there that we're going to get Marshawn ready to go this week and be a much bigger factor in the game plan and all that. What, uh, what's your prediction for number of touches for Marshawn? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. Uh, let's say 14, 14, 14 running. I can see that running. Yeah. I think it'll be, yeah, it'll be a little bit more. I mean, I, I, I guess this, I do get the sense that this would be one of those games where they will force that part of it a little bit, especially if if the weather is any kind of an issue and all that. Sure. Kind of stuff. Well, and you're uh, obviously wanting to, like we saw last week too, you want to, whatever the term you use for it, but slow down the game or obviously limit, you know, the number of times Green Bay's offense is, is going to touch it too, because that's kind of obviously part of the 
the Seahawks plan, I think has been for a long time, but part of the idea of establishing the run, right, and sticking with the run and being stubborn with the run is is uh, is playing a little keep away too. And in a game like this and against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and uh, a running back like Aaron Jones, um, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, again, I know analytics people can debate that philosophy, but it's a Pete Carroll philosophy for sure. I mean, uh, a lot of times if you can take two and a half minutes off the clock, even, you know, on a unsuccessful drive, that might be better than three quick passes and taking 20 seconds off the clock. You know, you at least maybe, uh, especially on the road, and, and if you're worried about your offensive-defensive matchup or whatever. Um, you know, the Seahawks have historically just been so much better. Uh, I, I wrote a thing for the Sunday paper, just just sort of a quick little some facts about the Pete Carroll era. But that stat is really stunning that they're 65-1 and one under Pete. Uh, so not just the Russell era, but but all 10 of Pete's years when they've had a lead of four points or more this, uh, at halftime. Uh, they just Incredible. don't blow. Oh. They just don't blow leads if they get them at, at halftime. And that's definitely a Pete Carroll philosophy that I know we saw at USC all those years too. You sort of hunt and peck a little bit early in the game, and then, you know, you figure it out. And then the second half, you're sort of off and running. And so that's a little bit, I think, I've always felt of Pete's sort of run it early philosophy that I know can frustrate fans at times. Um, but I think, I think you know, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to argue the o- overall win result. And I think that's part of what, what Pete thinks. So, I, you know, I, I think you're going to see that again. You know, I, people might be after last week just come out throwing. But I think you're still going to see, you know, sort of an equal distribution of run and pass early until, as, as they try to figure out what's working here. Yep. All right. Uh, wrap it up with this. It sounds like you're probably one key to the game or the biggest key from the Seahawks perspective is maybe keeping Zedaria Smith away from Russell Wilson. Is it, is it that simple? It, certainly, um, that's as big a one. I mean, I, I just I think both lines. I mean, they were able to get. It's, it's weird looking back at last week's game. I mean, I know they they had a pretty good pressure rate on on the quarterbacks, but you know, three or four of those sacks, I think, were sort of just covered sacks and the quarterbacks trying to make something out of nothing kind of thing. That'll be a little bit harder to do this week, I think, with Aaron Rodgers, who's I think a little bit better at the times of maybe getting rid of the ball or figuring out where to go with it or whatever. Um, so I think we're going to have to get some pressure on him too. But yeah, I, I think going into it, I just sort of feel like that is going to be a bigger deal. Uh, that just because of the a little bit of the unknown, especially as we're doing this now, uh, before we know uh, hear anything specific on their injuries, but with what seems like some potentially problematic things for the Seahawks on their offensive line, um, that matchup seems like it's going to be one to really watch. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. We'll see you bright and early Saturday morning. Yeah. All right. And here he is, your Husky football beat writer, Mike Varell. Mike, how are you? <laughs> Doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was going to try to make uh, some sort of a Donovan joke there, but uh, I got I had nothing. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's just get right into it. Uh, you, you, you have it at the kind of the top of your story today, introducing the Huskies' new offensive coordinator. Who is John Donovan? What have you found out here these first couple hours, Mike? Who is John Donovan? Well, I mean, that's really the question. Kind of how I led the story was naming all the people that it's not because there's been so many different candidates that have been thrown onto the table in the last couple weeks, and this name was never one of them. Um, But John Donovan is uh, 45 years old, and he's been with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars the last four years as an offensive assistant, but he's probably better known as being the offensive coordinator for uh, Penn State in 2014-2015 and uh, Vanderbilt the three seasons before that under James Franklin for that run. Um, 
he was fired uh, by Penn State following the 2015 season, and then they hired Joe Moorhead and had a bunch of success. So, you know, on the surface, this is, you know, an interesting hire and one that I don't think would be obvious uh, from the outside, which is why it wasn't on a lot of these lists. But it'll be interesting when the press conference comes around to hear, uh, you know, Donovan speak and hear Jimmy Lake talk about why this was the right guy at this moment for UW. Um, the reaction, shall we put it mildly, has been uh, less than enthralled from the Husky fans uh, on Twitter and elsewhere so far. Correct. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah, I joked. I was, you know, I, I hadn't even really looked at the response, but I tweeted, you know, I'm sure that this fan base is going to have a wait and see approach and wait to see what kind of offense Washington puts on the field before making any firm judgments. But obviously, that's you know, that's never the case. And I mean, I understand it. If you look at the 2015 Penn State offense, the last time that John Donovan was an offensive coordinator. The numbers are very ugly. They're 126 nationally in third down uh, conversion percentage, 106th in rushing offense, 105th in total offense, 103rd in completion percentage, 100th in scoring offense, 23.2 points per game. Uh, I mean, it was an abysmal offense. There's no other way to put it. And then they hired Joe, Joe Moorhead and immediately got better. And to, to make it even more interesting, Joe Moorhead is the odds-on favorite to be uh, Oregon's next offensive coordinator. So there's a lot of wrinkles to this, but I, I think what's really telling is in uh, Jimmy Lake's statement that he put out this morning, he said, quote, from my own experience, I know how much a coach can learn and grow by spending significant time in the NFL, which to me sounds sounds like, hey, I know it didn't go well at Penn State, but trust me, he's better now. This is going to work. And I think it comes down to if you want to trust Jimmy Lake, if you want to trust the offense that he wants to run and the vision that he has, then you got to kind of go with this and see where it goes. What are the sort of smoke signals then about what this might look like? Obviously, we're just kind of speculating here, but, uh, you know, Jimmy Lake did say, you know, in that quote, I think he wants a, you know, pro-style offense. Um, does that mean uh, – what I take that to mean, I guess, is it's going to be an offense that, continues to be to play complementary football right we hear that quite a bit and I suppose when you're Jimmy Lake with his defensive background that should come as no surprise right you want an offense uh, that's obviously going to put up some points but at the same time helps out its own defense by uh, you know uh, I would I would guess establish the run or uh, play a little ball control foot field position um, I don't want to say conservative because we, we've had we've heard him say the opposite a couple times now and use that word aggressive. But um, it, you want to play complementary football and have your own defense in mind where you're not exposing them, you know, to on the field for you know 35, 36 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean the quote that he used in this statement was aggressive pro style offense, which is not any different from what he's been saying, and you know, I think. Personnel-wise, it probably isn't going to be a ton different. Where I think they're still going to, you know, love to use their tight ends, and they're going to want to establish the run. You know, when when Donovan had success uh, under James Franklin at Vanderbilt, I mean, they were really an effective running team, and Zach Stacy was maybe the best running back in Vanderbilt football history. I haven't brushed up on their on their uh, history in terms of their running backs there, but uh, I I don't think that it'll be some kind of a, a wild spread. It sounds like, you know, what he said all along when Jimmy Lake was hired, he said that he wanted to be bruising. He wanted to be physical. He wanted to set the tone offensively that way. 
and he's throwing the word aggressive around around a lot. And I don't know exactly what that means, but I you know I expect that this is going to be a team that's going to want to establish the run. It's going to want to do stuff with play action. Going to want to use tight ends and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you expect it to be different from what we've seen uh, under Bush and under Chris Peterson and all that stuff. But in terms of some kind of a wild scheme change, I don't expect that either. You called this uh, a risky hire on on Twitter, um, and I I take that to mean more of uh, from a recruiting standpoint. This is a guy Donovan who doesn't that we know of doesn't have any ties to the West Coast, hasn't recruited the West Coast. How big of a hurdle do you think that is here initially for him and, and the Huskies? Um, I, I think it depends. I mean, it, it's interesting for sure, and I think it's you know obviously worth noting because you know and you know that. These coaches, you develop all of these ties and all of these relationships with high school coaches in California and Washington and Vegas. You know, your powerhouse is all throughout that region. He just doesn't have those, which doesn't mean that he can't uh, cultivate those. And obviously, they're going to have other offensive coaches that are good recruiters. You know, Junior Adams is is a fantastic recruiter. Scott Huff is a fantastic recruiter. So it doesn't have to be all him, but, you know, it, it certainly helps when you can go into a situation where you know these guys, you know these schools, you know their head coaches. Um, so that's just something that, that he's going to have to cultivate. And, and it's not a reason that you hire or don't hire someone necessarily, but it's definitely a factor. Good stuff, Mike. I know uh, it's just kind of all a uh, developing story here here on Friday morning. We're still getting the, getting the word for the first time and still learning about this guy. But uh uh, it'll be an interesting one, and like you said, uh, we it's uh, we all want to react in the moment and and know what the heck the the thought process was behind going behind this decision. But we we probably won't know a whole lot until you know at least uh, early September there after after uh, after the Michigan game. I, I think we'll have some better answers. But until then, uh, you know, everyone can throw their their hands up and uh, cover their cover their faces and and uh, <laughs> and shout from the rooftops on on Twitter there. So. Uh, appreciate your time, Mike. Yep, sounds good. Can't wait for the press conference. All right, thanks to Bob. Thanks to Mike. We'll check in. Uh, got a long drive back from Green Bay to Chicago for an early morning flight uh, Monday uh, with the Seattle Times sports crew there. So uh, maybe we'll try something funky. We'll see for for, for some uh, podcast reaction uh, Monday morning. We'll have something for you there too. But obviously, check us out, seattletimes.com. For all the coverage on uh, on Sunday, should be a fun one. Should be crazy. I'm expecting it to come come down to the wire. Something you know, something crazy is going to happen, right? It's just what it is between these two teams, and uh, when Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are involved, um, so it should be a lot of fun. And uh, stay tuned for all that. All right, everyone. Thanks for checking in. Have a great weekend, and enjoy the game Sunday. See you.